Hey friends, and welcome back to Girl on Fire, the financial independence podcast for independent women. My name is Priya. I'm a chartered accountant and analyst and the creator of Paper Money Co. I'm also a fierce financial feminist and the host of this podcast. I believe that a woman who is in control of her money is in control of her life. This week, we're talking about dollar cost averaging, which is an investing strategy that you may have heard of. We're going to talk about what it is and how it works. We'll go through some examples and then we'll talk about the benefits and disadvantages of a dollar cost averaging strategy. Oh, and I'm going to call it DCA in this episode because I don't have the patience to say dollar cost averaging 30 times. But when I say DCA, what I mean is dollar cost averaging. So just keep that in mind. But before we get started, I want to remind you to head to my website, papermoneycode.com forward slash start investing to download your free copy of my investing starter guide. It's totally free. You just need to enter in your email address and I'll send it straight to your inbox. It gives you a step-by-step plan to follow to get your finances ready to start investing, including working with a budget, building an emergency fund and paying off debt. You just need to enter in your email address and I'll send it over to you. The sooner you can get your foundation set and get those good money management practices in place, the sooner you can start investing and building your wealth. If you're really serious about learning to master your money, then it's the perfect guide for you. And I'd hate for you to miss out on it. As always, Girl on Fire is about learning. So whip out your favorite notebook or journal and get ready to take some notes. If you're not into writing things out by hand, you can always find the transcript on my website, papermoneycode.com forward slash GOF24. Okay, let's dive in. First of all, what is DCA and how does it work? DCA is an investing strategy where you make regular incremental investments over a period of time as opposed to a one-off lump sum investment. So think of it a bit like investing in installments. You want to invest $12,000 in the stock market this year. So instead of investing $12,000 once, you're going to invest $1,000 at 12 regular intervals throughout the year. Now, when you're following a DCA strategy, you're not trying to time the market to buy low and sell high. You're investing a fixed dollar amount regardless of what the market is doing. So if you set the first of the month as your investment date, you'll make your investment on that date come rain, hail, shine, bulls, bears, or monkeys. Regardless of the price and regardless of market trends, you're going to make your investment. Now, the theory behind this strategy is that you're reducing market timing risk of your portfolio. Essentially, you're trying to avoid the risk of putting all your money into the market and then having the market crash the next day because you're not entering the market all at once. You're entering it little by little. And when you do that, sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down, but it's smoother on average. So it's a conservative approach to investing and it's often considered to be a passive strategy that's associated with things like index funds and ETFs, which we talked about in episode 17. Okay, let's take a look at an example of how the DCA strategy works. So let's say that you have two investors, Amy and Belinda. They're both going to be investing $2,400 into the stock market over the next 12 months. 
Amy invests her $2,400 of capital in a lump sum. So to keep things simple, she invests $2,400 in one go in the A200 ETF in January. Let's assume that the current market price of A200 is $10. So that means that Amy made one trade and bought 240 units of A200 in one go. And that's it. She doesn't do any more investing for the rest of the year. It's just that one investment. On the other hand, Belinda is taking a DCA approach to her investing. She's also going to invest $2,400 in A200 over the next 12 months, but she's not doing it in one lump sum in January like Amy did. Belinda's going to invest $200 in A200 every month over the next 12 months. I'll have a table linked in the show notes and transcript for this episode if you want to follow along with this example. Now, when Belinda makes her first investment in January, the market price for A200 is $10, and that's the same unit price that Amy paid. So with her $200 investment that month, Belinda buys 20 units of A200, and she continues to do that as the year goes on, investing $200 per month and buying 20 units of A200. But in May, something changes in the market and the price of A200 drops from $10 to $5 per unit. Amy's investment will lose some value here. When the price drops to $5 per unit, her portfolio will be worth $1,200 because she initially purchased 240 units and then didn't purchase any more. But it's a different story for Belinda. Belinda is on schedule to make another $200 investment this month in A200. But this time, her $200 investment buys her 40 units of A200 because the price per unit is lower. Now, let's assume that the price stays low for another two months. So in June and July, the unit price of A200 is still $5. Amy's portfolio is still valued at $1,200. It hasn't gone up, but it hasn't come down any further either. And Belinda makes two more of her monthly $200 investments in A200 at $5 per unit. So both in June and July, she buys an additional 40 units. Then in August, the price of A200 goes back up to $10 and it stays there for the rest of the year. Now, for simplicity's sake, we're assuming that neither Amy nor Belinda are cashing out their investments and they're not getting any dividends or anything like that either. We're also assuming that neither of the women are diversifying their investments. We're just looking at this one investment in isolation to compare what happens when you invest in a lump sum versus in installments. So at the end of the 12-month period in December, the A200 ETF has a market price of $10. Now, Amy bought 240 units of A200 way back in January when she made a lump sum investment of $2,400. So in December, her portfolio is valued at $2,400. She hasn't made any money. She bought 240 units at $10 each, and a year later, her 240 units are still valued at $10 each. Belinda, on the other hand, also invested $2,400 of capital, but she did it in 12 monthly installments throughout the year. And because there were three months of the year when the price fell, she was able to buy more units than Amy did. 
So at the end of the year, Belinda has 300 units of A200. She bought 180 units at $10 each, and she bought 120 units at $5 each. Now, if the current market value of A200 is $10, then that means Belinda's portfolio is worth $3,000. That's 300 units at $10 each. So you can see from this example that even though both Amy and Belinda invested the same capital in the same asset over the course of the same 12 months, Amy isn't making any profit. But Belinda made a $600 profit because she was able to take advantage of the low price for a few months and purchase additional units. She essentially bought those units on sale. So when the price returned to normal, she made a profit. Now, that's how a DCA strategy works when the market or asset prices are coming down. What about when they're going up? That's a different story. So let's look at another example. We're going to keep all the details exactly the same, except that instead of going down for three months of the year, the price of A200 is actually going to go up for three months of the year. We'll assume that in May, June, and July, the price of A200 increases to $20 per unit. And then in August, it drops back down to $10 and stays at $10 for the rest of the year. Now, Amy's investment will still be exactly the same at the end of the year. She invested at $10 per unit and the price ended up at $10 per unit. She did make a gain when the price increased to $20, but she lost that gain when the price returned to $10. So her portfolio is still valued at $2,400. There's no profit or loss for Amy. But for Belinda, when the price increased to $20, Her $200 monthly investment was only able to buy 10 units of A200. So she bought 30 units at $20 each and 180 units at $10 each. At the end of the year, Belinda has 210 units valued at $10 each. That means her portfolio value is $2,100. That's a loss of $300 on her invested capital. Now, why did that happen? Why did Belinda lose money when the market moved up, but Amy didn't? It's because Amy was able to buy all her units before the price went up. She bought it at the cheaper price. So when the price went up, she made a profit because her investment became worth more than what she paid for it. But Belinda was buying units when the price was at its peak. So when the price came down again, she was losing money because her investment became worth less than what she paid for it. So those are just a couple of really simple examples of how DCA works, both when the market moves up and when the market goes down. Of course, in real life, it'll all be a bit more complex than this. There probably aren't many perfectly round numbers, and prices will be moving up and down by the hour, not the month. But now that we know what DCA is and how it works, let's look at the benefits and disadvantages of using this investing strategy. But before we move on, I want to ask my girls on fire for a favor. If you've listened this far into the episode, then you're probably enjoying it, right? So here's what I'd like you to do next. Pause this episode for a few seconds and head on over to papermoneycode.com forward slash podcast review. 
I want you to leave a rating and review for Girl on Fire because it helps me provide better content based on what you're all enjoying the most. It helps other women out in the internet wilderness come and find us. And it's also a great way to support this show for free. And for that, I'd love to send you a little something to say thank you. So once you've done that, take a screenshot of your submitted review and email it to me at priya at papermoneyco.com or share it on Instagram and tag me at papermoneyco. If you do that, I'll send you a copy of my fire and investment calculator, which if I do say so myself is pretty damn amazing. It's how I plan for my early retirement and my wealth. It shows me how my wealth is going to grow, when I can retire, and how long my money will last. And it also has a separate tab that takes Australia's superannuation into account as well. And you can use it to analyze companies and different investment options when you're picking stocks too. I've never actually seen anything like this before, so it's pretty special. And I'm currently not offering that spreadsheet anywhere else except on my Patreon. Not in my shop, not to my email list, it's a ghost. So this is kind of a money can't buy type deal. The only way to get your hot little hands on that spreadsheet is by submitting a rating and a review, taking a screenshot and tagging me in it. That URL again is papermoneyco.com forward slash podcast review. I've made it nice and easy for you. So go hit pause and do that right now. It's okay, I'll wait. Okay, that concludes my little ad break, so let's get back to it. First up, a big benefit of DCA is that it tries to take the emotion out of investing. It reduces the effect that an investor's psychology has on their investing decisions. And that's because as an investor using DCA, you're making investments of a consistent amount at regular intervals in the same asset, regardless of price. You're not trying to time the market, which we know doesn't work because no one can predict what the market is going to do. By committing to making regular investments regardless of price, you don't give yourself the choice to panic sell when prices go down and buy in excitement when prices go up. You're removing the option to base your investing decisions on greed or fear. And that makes it a good investing strategy for both beginners and investors who follow a long-term buy and hold strategy. Another thing to note is that DCA is good when the market is going down, which we saw in our example. If you're investing a consistent amount at regular intervals, then when the price in the market decreases, you can buy more units with your capital. And that means that when the market hits bottom and starts going up, prices will rise and you'll make a capital gain. Of course, you don't know when the market will hit bottom. No one does. But DCA allows you to enter the market at multiple entry points as the price goes down and as it comes back up again. And this has the effect of smoothing out the impact of market timing. Everyone's always worried that they're going to dump a ton of money into the market right before it goes down. And that's like stepping off a cliff. You're standing on the edge and then you take one giant step into nothing and fall to the bottom of the cliff. That's what investors are afraid of. And once you're down there, you're waiting for your rocket booster shoes or your jetpack to warm up and shoot you right back up to the top. But with DCA, you're standing at the edge of that same cliff, but you take the stairs down and then you take the stairs back up. And it's not just one cliff. There are going to be many cliffs and many mountains as well. And you're walking in an uphill direction. 
So think of what's going to happen to those two investors. The jetpack girl is going to be swinging wildly from the valleys to the mountaintops. It's going to be a hell of a ride. And her stomach is probably going to be churning the entire time. She's going to have to make a conscious decision not to sell when she's falling off the cliff. But the hiker is going to take a more comfortable trip towards the valley and then start climbing back up. She won't have those kinds of crazy swings that the jetpack girl does. So a DCA strategy protects your portfolio from that kind of volatility in the market. It smooths out those fluctuations because your overall cost base is an average of all those entry points on the way down and on the way back up again. But of course, that's also going to depend on the asset itself. The stock market does have a lot of volatility in the short term, but some stocks are going to be more volatile while others are going to be more stable. Now, let's look at some disadvantages. The biggest disadvantage here is that the market tends to go up over time. That's just how it moves in the long term. It might have all sorts of peaks and valleys in the short term, lots of volatility, but in the long term, the market trends upwards. I think it was in episode 14 or 15, but remember what I said. If in doubt, zoom it out. Look at those stock market trends over the long term and you'll see it moving upwards. Despite the Great Depression, despite the GFC in 2008, despite the COVID crash last year, and despite all those economic crises in between. But when you use a DCA strategy, you're assuming that the market is going to go down first, allowing you to buy up more units at cheaper prices. And then it'll move up, which is when you'll make a profit on your discount units. And we could see that in action, right? With the examples we looked at earlier. In the first example, prices went down and then returned to normal. And Belinda made a capital gain on her investment. But when prices went up, which is what the market does in the long term, she didn't do so well. She actually made a capital loss of $300. Now, following on from that, a key disadvantage of DCA is that you delay entry of a lump sum windfall into the market. And we know that time in the market is crucial because it allows your interest to compound. The more compounding it does, the more profit your profit makes, the richer you get. This is why we want our cake to bake for the full baking time. We don't want to pull it out too early when it hasn't had enough time to cook and it's still all better. But by holding back a large lump sum so that you can split it into installments, you're giving up some of that time. And we could see that in the examples of Amy and Belinda as well. They both invested the same amount of capital. Amy invested in a lump sum, so her $2,400 had the full 12 months of growth. But Belinda only had $200 getting the full 12 months of growth. And she also had $200 getting only one month of growth. Even though both women invested the same amount of capital for the same period of time. Now, some smarty pants people at Morningstar actually did some research and published a paper called Dollar Cost Averaging, Truth or Fiction. I'll leave it linked in the show notes if you want to check it out. But what they found was that historically... DCA has actually produced lower long-term results than lump sum investing. They said that on average, DCA doesn't make you any wealthier. Because when the market goes up, which it always does in the long term, 
the longer you delay your investment, the more likely you are to miss the gains that you could be earning. In their research, they found that 9 times out of 10, an investor who dribbled money into the stock market would have ended up with less money than if they had put all their money into the market in a lump sum in the beginning. They also said that holding money back and investing it later, like you do with DCA, only makes sense when the investor believes that prices will go down for a while and then come back up. And we could actually see that in action when looking at the examples of Amy and Belinda. Of course, research and examples aren't foolproof, but it's just something to think about. Another thing to consider is that when you're making investments at regular intervals, you're going to incur more costs. And I'm talking about things like brokerage fees and commissions here, which we talked about in episodes three and four. Not only that, but your portfolio isn't very dynamic or responsive to changes in the market. Because with DCA, you're investing the same amount consistently in the same asset at regular intervals. You're not choosing the hot new investment in town. And in some ways, that's okay because you're sticking with a long-term buy-and-hold strategy instead of trying to day trade the hot new investment. But some new investment opportunities are good ones. They're not all fries for the day trading seagull to chase after. They can be solid investment choices, but you miss out on that with DCA. Okay, so before we end this episode, let's talk a little bit about how I invest. So I don't follow a DCA strategy. In a way, the mandatory contributions into my superannuation account, which is like my 401k for my listeners in the US, is dollar cost averaging. It's a consistent amount invested in the same mix of assets on a regular schedule. And it's invested by a superannuation fund manager, not me. So none of my emotions or psychological bias is involved. But all I really get to decide with my superannuation is how aggressive or conservative I want my fund manager to be when they invest my money. And that's literally just choosing a setting on a website. So I don't really count that. For our purposes today and most of the time, we'll be talking about my brokerage account because I make all the investing decisions there myself. So I make a monthly investment every time I get paid. And sometimes the amount is higher, sometimes it's lower. It just depends on what else is going on with my finances and my budget at the time and how much money I have to dedicate to investing. Now, that's not me trying to follow a DCA strategy. It's honestly just based on when I have the money available. I get paid monthly. I have money available to invest monthly. So I make a monthly investment. It also makes sense for me to invest monthly based on my income level and the brokerage fee I pay every time I make an investment. I would prefer to make lump sum investments to get in as early as possible and allow my money more time to compound and grow. So if someone gave me my entire annual salary tomorrow, I would make a lump sum investment from it. I'm also not always investing in the exact same asset every month. I invest based on my investing strategy and asset allocation, which we talked about in episode 17. When I receive a lump sum of cash, however, like my tax return, I invest it as a lump sum in addition to the investment I make from my salary. I don't apportion it over monthly installments because I want that money to have the maximum amount of time to grow in the market. 
I want my cake to bake for as long as possible. So that's just what I personally choose to do. I just invest money when it's available to me. And it just so happens that my money is available to me in regular monthly installments. For your own situation, however, this may depend on a range of variables, such as how much of your income you have available to invest at any given time, and how much you pay in brokerage per trade. For a quick breakdown on an ideal investing cycle for you, I recommend plugging a few numbers into an investment frequency calculator. I'll leave the one that I use linked in the show notes. And that's all I have for you girls on fire today. My challenge for you this week is to head to papermoneycode.com forward slash start investing and download your free copy of my investing starter guide. It gives you a step-by-step plan to follow to get your finances ready to start investing, including working with a budget, building an emergency fund and paying off debt. You just need to enter in your email address and I'll send it over to you. The sooner you can get your foundation set and get those good money management practices in place, the sooner you can start investing and building your wealth. On next week's episode, we're going to be talking all about dividends, which are an amazing way to earn some passive income. I also have a huge and very exciting announcement coming out in next week's episode too, so you absolutely don't want to miss it. And let me give you a little hint. You definitely want to get your hands on that investing starter guide before that announcement drops. Trust me on this one. So do yourself and your finances a favor and grab it now. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast at papermoneycode.com forward slash podcast review. It really helps me figure out whether you're enjoying this content and learning from it. Your feedback helps me improve my content so that the episodes get better and better. It's also the best way you can support this show and it's totally free. Leaving reviews helps others find us as well. And remember to take a screenshot of your rating and review after you submitted it and share it on Instagram and tag me at papermoneyco. I'd love to send you a copy of my fire and investment calculation spreadsheet for free to say thank you for your support. It's currently not available anywhere else except on Patreon. As always, if you enjoyed this episode or found it interesting, then spread the love and share it with your friends. Bye for now. I'll see you next week.